Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you for tuning in on this Saturday, June 6th, here with Ryan McCaskey, not the owner of the Bears. I We understand the confusion. Right. Chef owner of Michelin starred Acadia in Chicago, Illinois. Thank you, Ryan, for being on the show. Uh, thank you for inviting me. This is going to be uh, really fun. And I love getting information out there and talking about our story. Yes. So, but you don't own the bears. Was I right or wrong on that? Yeah, I don't own the bears. We don't have bear money. I like would think if I had bear money, but uh, yeah, Acadia's not backed by the Chicago bears. So. Uh, I was just I was just trolling to see if we were going to end up with a Chicago Bears sponsorship. I guess we'll have to back to the old drawing board. So, all right. I want to give people kind of the last scene of the movie, the culmination of your work, Acadia, two Michelin stars in Chicago. We'll talk about what that means because there may be some people who are confused on that. But give us the 72, 73 seconds on truly like what Acadia means to you. Well, it was a lifelong dream of uh building the restaurant. Um, I knew I wanted to do a restaurant early on in my life, my career, and I wanted to be able to honestly provide uh, hospitality, you know, and that's really what it's about at the end of the day for me. It's like I, I hear about people's stories about, oh my gosh, I love that restaurant, or people are talking about some restaurants, you know, 20, 30 years later, and I always thought that was pretty cool to be um, a part of that memory, you know, part of that folklore of the Chicago restaurant scene, and, and, and to uh, make an impression or an imprint on people's lives in a small, small way, whether, you know, they're celebrating an anniversary or birthday or whatever. So that was really the goal is I want to build a restaurant that uh, will hopefully be memorable for somebody. And Acadia, you feel like, is that for you? It was the culmination of all of that journey for you. Right. Yeah. It was, that, it was a culmination of my career, you know, I mean, 27 years of being in this career and 17, 15, 17 restaurants later, that I've worked at, um, it's just, that's what it is. It's just a melting pot of um, everything I've seen or eaten or cooked or or made mistakes or yeah. whatever, you know, like it's all in there. And, you know, and it's, it's an imperfect organic thing. And that's what I love about the restaurant industry and about restaurants is that, you know, we're still learning, we're still evolving, we're still growing and every year um, is, is different, you know? Yeah, so so now let's take us back through that journey. Uh, and you mentioned early on that you knew, born in Saigon, raised in the burbs of of Chicago. Kind of talk about early on, and then and then get us to the point where you really caught that bug right. in the hospitality industry. You know, for one, you know, being able to escape Vietnam um, during that time when when it was falling, and and getting here, you know, I'm I'm super um, super lucky, you know. And, and felt that and feel that, you know, I have an opportunity to do something, you know, it's one of those, I don't ever want to squander that opportunity because, you know, there's a million people that would love to, to come to America and, and have a chance. Right. Um, and that's kind of a lot of, you know, the dream out there. And, and I got that chance. So my perspective was that, 
you know, I really want to, I just want to crush it, whatever I do, whether it's cooking, whether it's life, whether it's sports, I was in sports for a while. I just want to be the best be and, and, and try not to like give any service to my opportunity. You know? Yeah. Two things. One, uh, did you know that early on, like gratitude was a big part of your life because you were just grateful for the opportunity to be here and you were going to like not squander it. And then second, uh, let's take us into you were on a path to kind of be an athlete. That was like really one of the first paths. So I'm interested in that. But first, like, did you recognize early on that you were in a very lucky position to be right. in this country? I think I may be reflecting on that stuff, you know, early high school, you know, okay. things like that. As I'm kind of discovering myself and coming into who I was going to be as a person and as an adult. Um, and yes, of course, when I was younger, <clears throat> you know, I, I liked sports. I did gymnastics, I did football. I, you know, I've done like, I did ran track. I, I've done a lot of stuff. I played tennis on the side and basketball, but I also started growing. And I was like, man, no one's like have on their team five, seven, like short Asian dude, you know, <laughs> would joke all the time. Like, man, when I see you run those bases in baseball, it looks like a little Scotch Terrier. You know, <laughs> along and. And, but I was actually really good. I just stopped growing. So I had to think, you know, I need another career. I need to find something else that um, not only did I love doing, but that I just had some natural, um, not really ability or talent, I would say, but more instincts, you know. Yeah, and, and hustle, it sounds like. So a couple of things. You have, you're competitive, clearly, because sports and athletics was big on you. I'm interested in that as we kind of navigate your story. You also, like are used to getting somebody saying you can't do this. And I bet that fuels you significantly. And then oh, team yeah. dynamics. So these are the things that like pique my interest when I hear you talking about those things. So then move us forward now. Mm -hmm. When did the restaurant bug start to catch you? How did that come about? You know, I took a bunch of classes, um, probably early high school. And again, I just like, for whatever reason, I, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe I was just good at it. I remember making a cake one time in class or a tiramisu or something. And I was like, man, this is kind of cool stuff. You know? And and I didn't really think much of it at the time because I was still like, you know, playing football or whatever. But then uh, like halfway high school, junior, senior year, it, it just hit me, you know, and we had traveled a little bit as a family and we're fortunate enough to eat at some good restaurants, you know, here and there. And I just, again, everything was kind of um, just amazing to me. You know, I had like this big wide eyes of like what restaurants are and how diverse they can be. You know, one of my first experiences ever that I recall uh, was going to uh, Cafe Provencal in Evanston, which became Trio. And of course, that then, you know, home of Grand Atkins. It's first yeah. home as a chef. But I remember like little things like the little sugar cubes were wrapped in paper that said Cafe Provencal. And I didn't know like what a canapé or an amuse-bouche was. And it was a mussel stewed in like a curry cream and like all those things. And that was, I don't even know how old I was at the time, but like those things stuck out and kind of just sat in my brain for a long time thinking, okay, well, I, I could do that. I'd like to do that. I'd like to be the guy creating that because I remember my reaction, you know. Two things now from what you just said. I'm interested, do you think we need to bring back it was called HOMAC, and then it was easy to have it like be dismissed. Yet, I'm starting to see culinary younger and younger. Do you think there's an opportunity, even middle school? I mean, France, in middle school, they're doing culinary classes, and they have a very different food culture. Do you see an opportunity for this country to reinvest in culinary early education? 
Yeah, I think it would be a really cool class. I mean, man, one day, honestly, I'd love to teach it, you know, somewhere at some level. Because um, I always wanted to retire and be a teacher. Um, <clears throat> but I think that, like, there should be a class that is, like, hospitality slash um, cooking slash, you know, just anything in that kind of um, arena, you know. Because I think one cool thing about hospitality, especially in today's age, um, day and age, is, like, it, it brings about people you know it brings people together and there's human to human interaction you know we're always on our phones we're always on social media we're always doing the stuff that to me you know pulls apart the human to human uh contact a lot you know and and you know growing up i didn't have obviously i didn't have a cell phone it was literally calling somebody on the phone and going to meet with them and seeing them face to face and i think that you know has lessened now so i think hospitality has a cool opportunity to um to bring that kind of idea back where we're inviting people into you know at the restaurant we invite are inviting people into our living room essentially you know my home look i'm a i'm i joke about it but maybe i actually believe it i think of some countries that they have compulsory just after high school either military or civil service right i'm like the compulsory should be you have to work in a restaurant because the amount of life skills that you learn in a restaurant are so important and you can definitely tell the people that have and that have not Right. And the way that you interact, because everybody interacts with that. So I'm fascinated in that. And everybody, let's let's make sure that Ryan McCaskey gets a position teaching in a culinary school setting for middle school students in the future. Because, uh, man, I, I would want to enroll in that class. So the fact that we could educate our youth and inspire our youth, I think, is very, very important. The second thing that you said that feeds into that is you got to dine and experience food at a young age in a very different way. And I think it's important. I even joke about going to McDonald's because we never got McDonald's. We never got fast food or anything in my house. But right. we, I'd go on a little road trip with my dad for work and we'd like get McDonald's. And it was like the most amazing thing. I had wished that it was something like what you're talking about going to Cafe Provence. Like, yeah. And the more people that they dine and they experience food with people, do you think that we need to experience food more when we're younger. I think so. I think, again, it's a cultural thing. I think experiencing food, experiencing um, just being at a family or, or neighbors or friends, I think that that's something um, super duper important. And I think that, you know, we had at a time, um, you know, in America, and I think that's something that we um, look at and go back to, you know, everyone works so hard and we're pulled, like I said, far apart and social media is the only thing that connects a lot of us and it's just like i don't know i'd rather have some you know, like 10 people over at my house and say hey let's all cook or potluck or <clears throat> you know bring wine or whatever it is you know um, i think that's just really 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 um important to do you know and to have again um you know that uh, a minute ago but like hospitality and restaurants as dysfunctional as they are there's so many cool uh life lessons that are happening there too, you know, and, and I experience it every day, every year when we have, you know, young kids come and work with us, not only am I teaching them how to cook and skills and, and, you know, things that were passed on to me at a time, but also trying to guys good um, direction in, in life, you know, and, and talk about behavior and even some technology, things like that. And, and I've seen guys, you know, I, I've known a few and everyone will joke, I think at the restaurant, you know, there's a few that have kind of looked like dad and called me dad because 
goes beyond just here's a recipe you cook that great perfect every time you know it's like beyond that is what we do at Acadia what I do my approach anyway with these with these staff you know wow I really like that so let's let's dig into the staff a little bit I want to give people some context we we said Michelin star some people know it well some people have heard it some people have no idea so the the Michelin guide hands out stars one two or three based on the quality of that and they're a travel guide so you know it's it's one star is worth a worth a visit two stars is if you're in chicago you have to go here and three stars is you've planned a trip directly around going to this restaurant right in the in the world hundreds of thousands of restaurants hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of restaurants across the world there are less than 2300 one stars just over 400 two stars and 115 three stars in the world. All right. So in this country, there's 14 three Michelin stars. In Chicago, there's one. You mentioned Grant Ackett's Alinea. His restaurant is the one there. Uh, and then there are 22 restaurants in Chicago that have total stars between one, two, and three. Right. You have two stars. So it is, it is, it sets you up as being as of the highest quality in your city, in the country, right? So I want people to understand that a little bit. The amount of effort and work that goes into that unbelievable, the amount of people and human capital that you have to deploy to execute at that level for every single guest, every single night is ridiculous. So I wanna just set the tone for that. Beyond that, give us some understanding of, of why it was important to you to have a restaurant at that level, the people that it really takes to deliver on the promise that you have set forth. Right. I think that, you know, I wanted uh, to be the best to be. You know, I wanted to surround myself with good people that were had a common goal. You know, we used to say when we first opened, we want everyone drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah. And punching out, getting a paycheck, but actually believing in something, you know, because when we fight tooth and nail to be the best we can be and provide that hospitality um, and, that, and that service to, to guests, like... You know, um, <clears throat> that the reward coming back, regardless of stuff, accolades, is kind of amazing, you know, and really preach you know, the culture set. You know, we have a lot of people that come back after quitting or whatever, coming back two, three times. They always want to come back and work at a cake <clears throat> because they always thought the culture was a culture of fairness. You know, we talked a lot about that when we first opened. We wanted to, we wanted to create a culture of giving a shit basically, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, we know our, our, our staff, you know, we know uh, their personalities, we know their problems, we know what they do because I care about people, you know, and, you know, as much as, um, you know, I am who I am and my name and the branding and all that stuff, it has to be about uh, people at the end of the day because it's really just one person, me, with an idea. Now, to, to cultivate an idea takes... Uh, an army really especially for what we do you know it takes a lot of people and it takes a lot of people that want the same thing you know we all yeah. want to feed hey ryan let me let me interrupt you i got a text from the boss that we got a little reverb let me reset real quick and let the robots do their thing and then we'll start up again hold on one second Yet another reset that we need. You know, we've been talking about uh, the social media. Well, everybody's on social media right now, and <laughs> it struggles the bandwidth. So, okay. talking about 
that for you, it takes you having an idea, kind of being the visionary, yet it takes a village, absolutely at every level. So give us an right. idea, who are these people? And you know, how do they find themselves to you? And why are they so important to kind of the fabric that is Acadia? Well, you know, we try we try really hard to um, hire a certain way. You know, we look for we look for something in people, and it doesn't always come down to, um, oh my God, that guy's worked at this Michelin restaurant or that level. Yeah. Or what, I'm trying to hire based on character. I'm trying to hire based on surrounding ourselves with really good people that care about what they do. That have a level of pride and integrity, you know. And that's kind of one of the first and foremost things I, I hire or base my hiring on. You know, and so people come from all over. I think word gets out for the most part that, you know, we are uh, a culture of fairness and we want more. You know, I hear that all the time that like we want to come work there because you aren't ever satisfied. You know, we, we change, mm. you know, six, seven times a year, you know, and that just shows there that we are always curious. We're always pushing. We're always evolving. And I think people want to be a part of that because. Um, you know, who wants to do the same menu for four years, you know, or who wants to do the same exact thing? I mean, yes, the restaurant industry is repetition, but, you know, we can have repetition by also learning and educating ourselves and teaching our staff and just push for more, you know. Um, so the people that come on board are, are super diverse and they're all coming from different backgrounds, but they all kind of have that, you know, at least a curiosity to to be a part of it and uh, to push for something. You know, and and some yeah. of and so so give us give us a couple of examples. Like when you think of the archetype of the type of person that you want to attract, the people that you want to cultivate and educate and grow in this industry. Seeing, I know many people that work for you go on to their own accolades, and I'm sure there's a proud dad moment for you. Give us some specific people, maybe, and a couple of characteristics that you want to highlight for us that you think are so valuable in those humans. I, I guess one of the guys right now that comes to mind is probably um, my general manager. So his name is Jason Sunberg. He started um, in the front of the house. Uh, and we put everybody through the front of the house by starting as a food runner. Then they move up yeah. to an assistant and then a captain. And then you know, they kind of take a lead captain position. And then we go from there. Well, he started you know, as a food runner and moved his way up. And I remember him, uh, you know, and I think he was, he, gosh, he's been with us for like four years now, maybe five years. And he was that guy I picked on. He, he was kind of an awkward, clumsy guy. He fell down a lot. He'll laugh about it. He'd always fall down. Dude, what are you doing? How do you <laughs> fall down walking? You know? So I was like, here, you have to walk, keep your body tight, keep your feet tight. I mean, I, I really trained and pushed this. You know, and, and he stuck with it. And I think, like, he's a perfect example. If you have a good attitude and are open to it and see a bigger picture, you can, you can succeed, you know, and you can push to be whatever you want to be, you know. And he stuck with it. And he knows I was hard on him and I yelled at him a bunch. And, you know, he had a certain look and, hey, you got to change your look for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, uniform. I mean, you name it. And, but he persevered, you know, just like I've persevered at times in my life, he persevered. And now all of a sudden, you know, I think a year ago, we, we made him the general manager, you know, and that's got to feel good. I hope on, on his, uh, you know, from coming from him, because like he was that awkward food runner that I yelled at and, that and fell down all the time. That's so. great. I, I want him to throw a comment in uh, on this when he watches this and then let us know a story about, well, I remember a time that chef 
X, Bro. Y, and Z, because I'm sure he's got some dirt on you too. I think it's great. And the banter, the relationships, I think are important. You mentioned uh, Coastal Maine, and yeah. I actually knew about you and about Acadia, yet it wasn't until we started kind of doing background on having you on the show. Like, right. I didn't realize that Coastal Maine was such a mainstay of kind of the focus of the culinary side of what you're what you're delivering. So talk about why and then how you're actually kind of bringing the Coastal Maine vibe, scene, food, ingredients, right. stories to Acadia. Well, Maine was always kind of like a second home. We started going there as a family, taking trips. Uh, I don't know. It's maybe gotcha. in fifth grade or fourth grade or something like that pretty early on. And not only did we, we our family just love it out there and it's beautiful and it's on the coast and it's on the ocean and that stuff. Um, but so much of my youth, you know, in the summers were growing up there, you know? So you think about all the time, like when you were maybe in your early teens to teens, what were those milestones that made you kind of who you are yeah. here for the first time, driving a car for the first time, you know, running around with local kids. I mean, all that stuff, like a lot of first, I, I think I was experiencing with life um, happened while I was out there. So I always had like this very romanticized idea of what Maine is and was as a kid. You know, um, I was amazed to see, you know, just that area was, it was very much like a, a little bit of a bohemian lifestyle. You know, there was a lot of art. There was a lot of uh, you know, people were drinking wine, listening to jazz, eating local, you know. And, and when you're a kid and not seeing that, you know, in the suburbs of Chicago, that was a whole different thing. I felt like I was in Europe or something, you know. And yeah. Step into that, that world for the summer and then pop back to my normal life you know, the rest of the time out, out, you know, the burbs of Chicago. But um, so anyway, I've always held on to that. Like, hey, maybe one day when I'm older or, or you know, want to retire there or buy a house or whatever it is, like that kind of stuck in the back of my mind. Like, I think that's something for me uh, to explore. I think that's one of my Zen places. You know, I always said my, uh, my two Zen places where I'm happiest are in Maine and at a Grateful Dead show. <laughs> right. And a Grateful Dead show in Maine just blows your mind. I'm sure that's the... That is the utopia that you've always imagined. So uh, paint a little bit of a picture because when you say coastal Maine and the cuisine of coastal Maine, the ingredients of coastal Maine, I think lobster and then I go blank, right? Like, so give, paint us a little bit of a picture. Well, where we're at Pure Isle, Maine, about three hours north of Portland um, on the coast, um, you know, there's shellfish, you know, lobsters being there and stony, you know, account for, um, I Largest hall, uh, single largest town with largest hall. You know, so the lobster coming in there um, is 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 amazing. You know, and uh, there's so much of it. But there's also stuff like pikito crab. There are clams. There are mussels from Blue Hill. There, um, you know, we get haddock from there every now and then. Um, oysters are, are unbelievable over there. Um, so we, we fly that all in, you know, we fly that in usually about every other day to the restaurant. And, and I thought it was just a nice homage, you know, and that's why Acadia became Acadia because, you know, one, it's an homage to my second home. Two, we're getting all this product in every other day. And three, I had already forged so many of those cool relationships over the years that are actually flying with seafood now. So it's just like, I feel good to know that, you know, the waters I used to swim in, I'm getting seafood from right there. And the people that make up that community, I'm helping to support in the, even in a small way. 
So it really was like a triple-headed monster as far as, man, we should just call this in Acadia, you know, and right. to draw, you know, that, that connection and invoke some of what was happening or is happening out there. So, so a couple of dots to kind of connect as, as we wrap up here. I kind of want to get into one last topic. Michelin stars, it's very easy for it to feel like it's the, it's the shiny castle on the hill. It's not for the people, right? Very much at the core of what you're trying to do is express yourself as a sense of person and identity and place very much when kind of Chicago and Maine and, and the, um, the connection and synergy between them and maybe also the contradiction between them. And I think that's a, an interesting and unique perspective. I really like that. Now thinking about some of what's happening today, you're out there hustling with markets, getting food into your community very much. So it is not, once again, I want to like hammer home. It is not the shiny castle on the hill. It's very much in the streets with the people, humans working their asses off, getting yelled at, being nurtured, being coached, competitive, right. right? Team dynamics, all these things we've touched on these themes. And now you are out there saying, we're not necessarily going to focus on the peaky toe crab because people right now, they need to just be nourished. And we are chefs. We're right. here to feed our community. So talk about why that was so important. And then maybe how you took a, a practical approach to actually executing on that for, right. for the Chicago area. I think first, you know, I think people will have misperception about what a Michelin restaurant is or the inner workings of it. And, you know, they see my social media posts. Maybe I'm traveling for work, which I actually I, all my posts are generally traveling for work. Um, but it's not that. It's not just going to galas and traveling for work and hanging out in a cool places. You know, I'm there, whatever, 9 to 14 hours a day. I live two blocks from the restaurant. Um, you know, I go home after, after work and, and work another two or three hours, you know. And and it's not, not all that whatever, that glamorous lifestyle that everyone thinks it is. Oh, I'm at home researching product or I'm trying to, um, you know, make something happen or I'm looking at plates, you know, I'm a plate freak. So I, I'm always constantly, Hey, can we get plates or, or, or even, you know, like how do we, how do we be a better, how do I be a better person? How do you better boss? How do I uh, inspire and lead as, as a better leader? You know, so all those things kind of, um, you know, I really process outside of work and, you know, and, and like you say, giving back, you know, so now we're in this time of COVID and we have to adapt, you know, and it took me about a, two days after this hit. What are we going to do? We're going to, are we just going to close? Are we going to wait it out? What are we going to do? And I just thought it would be smart to be proactive. You know, I had a lot of staff ask me what's going to happen with us and, and our income. And I said, you know, we need to adapt. You know, first of all, I need stuff to do because I'm, I like, being busy and I like working and giving back constantly. So we were, you know, I was like, let's just do a free market and, mm-hmm. and, you know, hand out food and, and have food available for um, out of work, you know, restaurant industry people, uh, some of the neighborhood as well. And then we've been cooking for hospitals. We cooked for um, um, the police precinct down here this week. We cooked for uh, 90 national guard. You know, we're just trying to do as much as we can because I think that's, you know, right now, it, it, there's a great sense of community, you know, and I love seeing around the city, you know, people stepping forward and becoming, um, you know, really inspiring leaders, you know, and a time during crisis, a time during uncertainty, I think we need a lot of that, 
you know, and I think that we should have more leadership out there and giving back because at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. It's not sitting there, you know, I can't, what am I going to do with my stars? You know, I'm not going to be like hanging out at home on my couch with my stars, you know? <laughs> nope. You know what I'm nope. Saying? They're not going to feed you. They're not going to feed the community at all. So uh, give people, I know that the market is not going on this weekend, just with the turbulence in the streets of many cities, Chicago as well. But uh, if somebody is interested in getting involved, in providing product, uh, in the need for that, kind of where can they find that and then stay connected and, and know when that availability is uh, is there again? Well, one thing is, you know, just kind of uh, keep your ear close to the ground as far as social media. And as much as I hate social media, I know it's cool. <laughs> I know it's and 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 can be used in a, in a good way so i say you know people that want to get involved uh, or or volunteer or whatever help with us um you know just check out social media i'm on instagram i'm on facebook pretty often um and what handle where should they specifically go to find out it's uh like acadia uh chicago basically you know on okay instagram. acadia chicago we'll make sure and link that up uh, yeah. as well Facebook. And then, you know, people can just email me as well. It's rmccaskey at acadiachicago.com. And, uh, and then also on the website, acadiachicago.com, um, there's usually a lot of very, uh, you know, live updates and information as far as what we're doing and kind of like a, like even almost like a newsletter uh, weekly of what's going on. Because it changes, you know, uh, we just want to keep riding this wave and change with the times and be able to you know, persevere. I mean, it's amazing that we're like nine or 10 weeks in 10 weeks into this now and staff are working and they're employed and they're making money. And the neighborhood has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. We're doing these cakes. We're doing these custom cakes now. And, um, you know, I think we've done our 270th cake in, in a month. Yeah. Who is making those cakes? Um, I have this amazing team. We don't even have, like, we're not set up to, as a bakery, but yeah. maybe, um, one of my savory cooks who's been interested in pastry, he and I kind of came together. We, we sussed out some recipes and it's a pretty well-oiled machine. Now he makes the cakes with our pastry assistant. They make, you know, the buttercream and things like that. Then they pass it to me and I, I pretty much personally decorate every cake. So if you get a cake, that's me doing, doing it sometime in my day. And, and I touch pretty much all of them with uh, some kind of decoration or whatever. But it's, I, we'll do whatever. You know, we want, we're selling T-shirts right now. I've never thought about designing T-shirts and getting into retail. Uh, we're doing cocktail kits that are unbelievable from Michael Simon. Those are flying out the door. You know, so it's just like this all-encompassing thing because if we can keep thinking of ways to keep giving back, keep this whole machine running, you know, helping the neighborhood. You know, they, I can't believe how many cocktail kits we, we sell to the neighborhood. And they're like, man, we get 15, 17 drinks out of these things. It was an amazing, you know, two weeks of hanging out at home drinking, you know. I mean, that, yeah. you know, whatever it, whatever it takes now, you know. And, and if we can, you know, help out in any way, we'll, we'll do it, you know. I'm, Brian, I'm so excited. The cakes. This, to me, <laughs> is an amazing, amazing thing. Because, look, look, a lot of savory chefs... Right. We look down upon or like, all right, I guess we'll do some desserts, right? And like, wow, we're not a baker. I don't like a measure stuff. All these different dynamics that are at play. And it's also so expressive. Like you are personally touching them with your creativity and with that customization. And I know that that feeling that you're getting of making a cake for one human, one family, 
will transcend the rest of your businesses. I think it's one of the most compelling things that I've heard. And we've talked about a lot of good shit here. Leadership, right. hospitality, these are things that are the bedrock of the industry. They're also things that we can just use as like props. We say them, but they don't actually mean anything. And it's clear that it means a lot to you. And the other thing that I'm really taking away with this is get them when they're young people. Let's inspire people. Let's, right. whatever it is, gather around a table and experience other people's culture, their cuisine, their stories. Because in this moment, I don't know any way that I could hate a person that I've sat at a table with and experience them through food and drink and hospitality. I just, there's just no way that it could happen. And I think the more that we seek out those opportunities, the better off we are. Ryan McCaskey, any, any parting words for us? Because I'm super inspired. Oh, One man. more nugget you can give us and then we'll let you go into your day. I really like, uh, and to piggyback off what you just said, I think we need to um, continue to be, um, you know, thirst for now, thirst to be better, to, to be better people, to be better uh, culture, uh, to be better in your community. Like, we should need more of that you know we need to, to stay curious we need to explore we need to question you know um we need to not take things for granted we need to not um be content with status quo you know so you know if you can make a difference if you have ideas i know obviously a lot of new ideas have to has to be a lot of change right now uh, which i think is a good thing and change and progress is what will keep this country and you know great going you know and not just um take things for granted whether it's the news and media um you know uh people in leadership politics we need to question it and we need better policy for for everybody for humanity for us you know and and i think as long as we stay pushing and curious and thirst for knowledge and how do we be better if we we're reflective and think about those things then I think that's the base of where we can actually start to make change because that's the only way, honestly, we're going to get through a lot, a lot of shit and be back. I love it. At the onset, I asked if you were grateful for being able to come from Vietnam to this country and you reflected on a certain time. It's very clear that you are not only grateful and not taking things for granted, but pushing yourself right. for the opportunity to have the leadership in this moment that we really need. So uh, I am grateful that we got to have this conversation. It means a lot to me personally. And I think us being able to share just this little half an hour conversation will have an impact on people. And I think that's what we're here to do. So I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, man. All right. Have a great day. Oh, man. So good. So important. I really wanted to share Ryan's story because Look, he's a fucking badass. I mean, his restaurant, unbelievable. It really is at that pinnacle level. Yet that's not what we were talking about, right? Like it's it's very easy to think about that as being somewhere else, being completely disconnected. And at times it for sure is. It feels like you're in this escapist place. And maybe that's part of the point. Yet it also feels unattainable. It feels elitist. And all those things can be true. Yet when you have intent and thoughtfulness, the way that Ryan does, you deliver it in a very different way. And I think that's what I was most inspired by. And then seeing Ryan, I didn't want him on the show because of the mission starts. I want him on the show because he's showing this market in the streets and saying, we are supporting our community right now. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. 
subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.